Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. in his response, he's letting the people there know that death is the way to greater glory and spiritual life in his kingdom. Not life, but his death is the way for for glory and life in the kingdom of God. And he's uh, telling the Greeks and the people there also the way that he would come. It wasn't as they thought the Messiah would come. The Messiah wasn't going to come with accolades and honor and riches and and live a life of ease, but he was going to come to die. He was going to carry a cross, and the start of his kingdom would start with the death of the king. But even more than that, we see foundational truths of our faith, which is the death of Jesus brought life to the world. It was in the death of Jesus that so many could come to know Jesus and have eternal life. Verse 23 The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So his death, just like that kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and produces all these seeds, his death would produce multitudes of people who came to eternal life and have life through Jesus. His death was the root of blessing and mercy to countless souls who come to him, and it still is today. It wasn't the miracles in life of Jesus that brought salvation to the world, but it was his dying. And that has personal application for us as believers also. In the same way, we need to let go of our love for the world and anything that stands in the way of us receiving salvation to come and have life and have life to the fullest. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I like the message version a little better of that verse. It says, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life, but if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. And I love that word reckless. Letting go of earthly treasures, honor, success, accolades, to love Christ with this reckless abandon in order to gain the only life that matters, which is eternal life. Contrary to what the world tells us, it's not on self-focus or searching for fulfillment in the world or pursuing even our dreams and things, looking for happiness in our own lives, focusing on our own happiness, that we find life and happiness, that we find true life. It's in following Jesus. It's in, just like him, letting go of earthly treasures and the things that we can hold on to, and the things that we want to pursue. And that's everything opposite the world is telling us, right? Now more than ever, self-focus and self-preservation and taking care of ourselves seems to be emphasized above anything, I think more than it ever has in my lifetime anyway. And I'm not saying it's wrong to take care of yourself. Obviously, we believe that you need to take care of yourself. But those things don't bring happiness. And actually, anxiety and depression and suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. But yet there's more focus on self than there's ever been. So obviously, that's not the answer. 
So in the kingdom, it's through not thinking about ourselves. It's through giving. It's through laying down our lives. It's through following Jesus that we actually find life and that we find happiness. It's very contrary to the world. He then goes on to say in verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And what Jesus is saying here is, profoundly simple. It's to be a follower of Jesus, we must follow Jesus. It's an action, right? It's not a stamp. Oh, Mike, you're a follower of Jesus, stamp. It's not a state of being, it's an action. To follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus, right? Agreed? Yes? Amen? Just as the servant follows his master as a sheep follows his shepherd, we follow Jesus with our lives to the best of our ability. Faith and obedience Mark, a true follower of Jesus, faith and obedience. Even if we feel like our faith is small or we feel weak and feeble or we only have just a little bit of grace to obey Christ and do what he's asking, we just do it to the best of our ability and grow in being able to follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus are those who believe what he says and strive to do what he asks. And of those, God says, they serve me, they belong to me. Jesus says that of us. And we find the commands of God in the word of God, right? It's not hard to know what God, what his commands and his will are, maybe sometimes specific for our lives, but we can find so much um, truth and commands of God and wisdom and things that God asks of us and requires of us and how to live through knowing the word of God. It's in the scriptures. So we talk so often of hearing God, but yet we have so much revelation of who God is just in the word of God and getting the word in us. We can learn what are the commands of God? What are the ways of God? The Bible has teaching on every area of our life. It tells us how to deal with restlessness by living full of the spirit. I just learned that this week in my studying because sometimes we're restless, right? And we wonder how do we deal with restlessness? What do we got to do? Well, be filled with the Spirit, is what the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, instead of turning to wine or getting drunk or the other things we do to deal with restlessness. The Bible tells us uh, how to handle conflict and offense by forgiving as Christ forgave. How to be content in every circumstance, every circumstance, by prayer and giving thanks to God. We're called to be content in everything. Learning how to wait on the Lord instead of taking things in our own hands. How to dig deep in our faith when it feels like God is not there and we're not hearing from him. He teaches us how to worship in the hard places. How to worship instead of turning away, actually giving praise in that rough time that we're going through. How to handle hurt and betrayal and how to handle suffering. Jesus shows us how to handle suffering. We have the word of God and we have the presence of God in us the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us and lead us in all these things so we don't have to do it in our own efforts. And there are times when God feels distant, right? Anyone ever felt God's distant? It feels like that sometimes, right? And we can wonder and we think maybe it's the enemy, but sometimes God is distant. I think that that does happen. And David went through those times in the Psalms where he cried out and it felt like God had abandoned him or he wasn't there. But those are the times I'm convinced that we learn to stand on what we know. We learn to stand on what God's already said, what he's already done, and we get stronger in our faith. We learn to persevere in our faith. We learn to press in with the Lord. 
And it's not going to be like that for forever, right? And also we know from the word that he never is far from us. Sometimes we just feel that. But God isn't far. But it's in those times that our faith expands and God stretches us and grows us. He strengthens us, builds character. Even when we can't see what God is doing, we are, can be confident that he is working always. He's never stopped working in our lives. And I love Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God began a work in us, and he's faithful to complete the work in us. If we continue in faith and obedience, our part is not hardening, right? But God will complete the work that he started in each of us. Isn't that comforting? It's so comforting when you feel like, Lord, are you really working? Are you really moving in my life? Let's not be like the Israelites. The Israelites so quickly forgot God delivered them from slavery. Imagine, he delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. He put a pillar of cloud to lead them by day and a fire to protect them at night. And he parted the sea so they could walk across on dry land, delivered them from his, their enemies again. He rained down food from heaven every day. Not everything that they needed forever, but gave them what they needed for that day. And yet they so quickly forgot and grumbled and complained. So let's not be like the Israelites. Can you imagine? But they did. But we do too. So yes, we can imagine, right? We don't see God right now sometimes just look back on all that he's done. Look back at our salvation like we did this morning in worship, at his deliverance of where he's brought us out of, and meditate on those things. And he is always faithful to give us what we need for today. He has always given us what we need for today. Following Jesus is not easy. It's not easy. It's easy to receive our salvation. It's easy to receive the free gift of grace that God gives us. But to actually walk with Jesus daily and follow him is very hard. It's super challenging, right? Am I the only one who thinks so? We may get ridiculed. We may get misunderstood. Friends and family might cast us out of, you know, our friend circles. We may not be popular anymore. We might get made fun of. But we have this wonderful encouragement in this verse. My father will honor the one who serves me. My father will honor the one who serves me. The world may ridicule our faith or make us appear bad. We may be cast out of friends and family. But we belong to the family of God and we have a forever home. We have a forever home with Jesus. That just hit me this week. We have a forever home. Even if everybody abandoned us on this earth, we have a forever home with Jesus, a family we can never be cast out of. We can never be cast out of God's family. Isn't that comforting? That just gave me so much comfort this week, especially in a world that is increasingly hostile to Jesus and to the things that we stand for. One day, God the Father will honor us. And that's what should matter. That's what we should seek, not the approval of people. We can't be self-conscious when we are following Jesus because self-conscious means we're worried what people think. But we are only seeking the approval of God in our lives that deals with being self-conscious. And I have to tell myself that all the time. <laughs> 
how much more do we need the body right now? How much more do we need fellowship with one another? More than ever before, not just for community. The world is increasingly hostile towards followers of Jesus. Our kids have to grow up in a culture where a lot of things are not, um, you know, following what we believe. Most things aren't following what we believe. So how much more do we need to be with each other and need fellowship with each other in the body? How much do we need our local church family? So when you're going through hard times, we don't want to isolate. Don't pull aside and say, I'm just going to deal with this with me and the Lord. We need to be together. We need each other. Not necessarily somebody that's going to like, you know, tell you everything that you should do and fix all your problems, but definitely somebody that can stand with you. We can stand with each other. Someone that can stand with us pray with us, and just be in it together, encouraging and spurring each other on. We need the body so much more in a culture that's increasingly hostile to Jesus. And we gather on, that's why we get together on Sundays. That's why we gather midweek, to hear the teaching of the word, to pray, to be encouraged, to say, Toby, well done, cheering you on and doing the things that God's called you to do, to cheer each other on, to spur each other on, and we need that so much as followers of Jesus. I'm going to read Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So let's not take for granted the blessing of community the blessing of fellowship with other believers. We didn't have it during the pandemic. I remember how much we missed it, but we don't wanna to be too quick to forget how hard that was not being able to gather with fellow believers. And especially because we have a country where we have the freedom to gather and we have the freedom to be loud about Jesus and loud in our worship. Not every place has that. So let's not take it for granted. Verse 27, let's carry on in the verses because I got a lot to cover this morning. Now my soul is troubled. This is Jesus talking. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there heard it and said it thundered. Others said an angel had spoke. Jesus said this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus' soul is troubled here. He's in agony. He's in deep agony. Not just because he was going to the cross and the death he would die. There's been countless martyrs who go with courage to their death. This was more than that. And this proves the doctrine, one of the very important doctrines of our faith is Jesus' agony here. It's that the sin and the shame and the guilt of the whole world was about to be placed on Jesus when he went to the cross. He took the weight of all of our sins and that's what was giving him so much agony. When he went to the cross, our sin really was placed on him and he carried it, he bore it. So much so that the father had to look away. 
The Bible says the father had to look away, couldn't even look on Jesus. So I would suggest that that was more agonizing to him than anything, was having the separation from the father while he was bearing the weight of the world, the sins of the world on his shoulders. What a comforting truth for us, though, that Jesus did, in fact, bear our sin. He carried the weight of it, and he actually took our sin away. He actually took our sin away, and then his righteousness has now been given to us. So when the Father looks on us, he just sees the righteousness of God. He just sees Jesus' righteousness. Not any of our efforts. He doesn't see any of our good deeds, any of our trying to clean ourselves up, any of the things that we do to be better. He doesn't see any of that. The only, none of those things make us any more acceptable to God. It's only the blood of Jesus and the death of Jesus that we can come to the Father and have relationship with him. We see Christ's agony. We see his prayer to God and his perfectly submissive will when he says, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This internal wrestle we see with Jesus, it should give us comfort also that he's so relatable to us as a man. Jesus had internal wrestles. He had internal struggles with doing God's will. But yet he was holy and perfect and never sinned in it, and he came to peace with God's will. We should take comfort in this because we also have internal wrestles of faith and crises of faith at times or not wanting to do the things that God's asked of us to do. But it's not that that's sin, right? It's not that internal struggle that's sin. We should all expect to have crises of faith every once in a while. It's giving in to that. It's embracing unbelief. It's giving in to doubt. It's allowing hopelessness and despondency and despair take over and giving in and embracing those things that it's sin and that it's unbelief and that we need to say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Forgive me. But it's not the wrestle that's sin. All the more reason why we need the body when we're in those moments of feeling like maybe doubtful or hopeless and things like that, we need to be with the body. Don't isolate during those times and then give in to hopelessness and despair. And the enemy can just basically have a heyday with our minds and attack us and when we're in isolation. And those are the times we feel bad about ourselves, right? Well, I don't want to be around anybody because I might not be able to say God is good or bless the Lord, you know. But that's what we need. We need all the more during those times to be with one another. We don't have to tell everybody, you know, oh, I'm really going through this. But just to be together, to be in the presence of God, to allow worship to remind us of who God is, to allow one another and the community we have to encourage us and help us to know, oh, yeah, this is who I am. And this is what God's called me to. I'm not these other things that sometimes the enemy tells me that I am. But actually, I'm going this way. I'm walking with Jesus. And this is my future, and it's bright. So we need the body. And I lost my place. I'm sorry. Just dangerous. The doubt is dangerous. I have, um, this week I was just so... It's not, we all have our doubts. It's just dangerous when we give into it to the point where it can take us off track of actually walking into the things God has us, has for us. James talks about doubt and how it can make us unstable in everything we do, unsure of ourselves in everything we do, constant questioning instead of 
trusting God, trusting what he said, trusting who he is, and following him. And we don't want to get taken off track and not enter into the things that God has for us. Then we see a great prophecy when Jesus declares, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus is prophesying his death, the way he's going to die. I don't necessarily think it means that if the you know, doctrine of Jesus is lifted up by the preacher and the pastor all the time, that everybody's going to come to hear. I think that's part of it, but I think it really is just simply that Jesus' death on the cross caused many people to come and be saved. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation will come to Jesus when the cross and the gospel is preached. Our beautiful and wonderful Savior gave his life because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. Much more than we can ever imagine, much more than an earthly parent could ever imagine. The Bible says the love of God surpasses knowledge. We can never know how much he loves us. Yet it's the prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of Christ. God's love surpasses knowledge. Yet, he wants us to know the depth and the width and the breadth and the height of his love for us. And I pray that we know that this morning. Let's carry on in verse 34. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? What is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This passage just reminds me that the days and the time is short. It's fleeting. And the opportunities are also short. And they can be missed opportunity, many missed opportunities. Nothing to make us feel bad or regretful about, but just more like seize the day, seize the light, seize walking in the light, staying in the light, remain in the light, that challenge to remain in the light, to walk in the light. We have so much light. We have so much light. Sometimes we look around in the world, I feel heavy, or the world is a dark place. Uh, there's a lot of darkness. But we have so much light. We have the scripture that gives light to our eyes and lights our path. It just gives light. The scripture of God in us, when we, get, when we read the word, we have light. We have the gospel, which is a light and a hope. We have the presence of God. The presence of God in us, the light of God in us. I pray that for my kids every morning when we walk to school, you carry the light. Jesus is with you. You are, you are the light. You have the light. Pray that over our families and remind ourselves. And we have fellowship with each other. That gives so much light. The ability to hear the word and be taught and spur each other on, that's light. So we have so much light. We have so much light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. 
Let's stay in the light. And I'm nearly done. Let's stay in the light. Keep believing Jesus. Keep sharing with others about Jesus because we won't always have the opportunity. How do we use our time wisely and stay in the light? I've written down several things here. Just know the Bible. I've said it uh, several times this morning, but just whatever distracts us from our time reading the word and studying the word, let's just start to see that as like the enemy. <laughs> I know that, that's extreme, but it might help us to realize how important, for me anyway, my time in the Bible is and my time reading the word. Oh, my friend, she gives me tissues because I always cry. Thank you. Thank you. So spend time in our Bibles. Don't let things distract us from our time in the Word of God. We need it so much. The, living, the Word of God is living and active. It actually brings life. The words of God bring life. And if they don't, if they get dry, stay reading and pray. Lord, I pray that your presence would open my eyes. Holy Spirit, bring me revelation of the words that you're giving me and meditate on just a smaller passage of scripture until it gets in us and until it actually changes us. And it's not in our efforts that we understand the word of God, right? It's in trusting the Holy Spirit to illuminate our eyes, to bring revelation. So rely heavily on the uh, Holy Spirit when we're studying the word. Because it's the Holy Spirit, it's the only way we can understand that we, what we read. It's the only way. The Word of God renews our mind. For those of us who battle in our minds, we need the Word of God. It renews our minds. That's how we renew our mind from bad thoughts, negative thinking, doubt, fear, all the things. Get the Word. Meditate on the Word. Speak out the Word. Declare the word. When we sing, when we worship, we're not singing because we like the sounds of our voice. We're actually declaring because it's actually warfare for ourselves. It is for the Lord, but it's also we're warfaring in singing the words and saying them because we don't feel them always. But then as we say them, as we declare them, as we speak them, we start to stand a little stronger on what the truth is. Stay in the light by not giving in to doubt and fear. Recognize that they're there, but instead of having doubt and fear, have a deeper and pray for a deepening, ever-deepening conviction of who we are, of who God is, of who Jesus is, of what he's called us to, deeper conviction of the gospel, deeper conviction of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. That's what I pray, Lord, just give me more conviction of the things that I know, but help me to know them so much more. So instead of doubt, let's pursue deeper conviction and ask the Holy Spirit to make things more real to us instead of just kind of head knowledge, right? Which can happen to all of us. Also deeper conviction of what he's done in our lives. Instead of, well, God, yeah, I think that you saved me, but actually maybe I just got convinced by that person that, <laughs> you know, like those are the things that we do sometimes. We take the supernatural and we make it natural and we just want to kind of pick it apart. And we quickly stop seeing with the eyes of faith and stop seeing with the eyes of the Holy Spirit and the miracles and the supernatural. All of a sudden, we just see everything as, no, actually, I don't believe those things. I'm just going to try to understand it on my own. Another way to stay in the light, pray about all things. Every worry, every care, every fear, every problem, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. He's the one who wants to carry those things for us. 
We like to take them, but he wants to carry them for us. So pray, and I have to do this all the time. I like to carry stuff that I'm not supposed to carry. We just have to give it to Jesus all the time until we can find our freedom again. Stay in the light by preaching the gospel. Preach it to ourselves because there's so much more of the gospel that we can understand about our salvation and what we actually have in Christ. And then preach it to other people to share with others to grow in practicing sharing the love of Christ with people. Stay in the light by using our time and being intentional in our faith, not being indifferent. Not being indifferent, but spending time with Jesus, pursuing him, allowing him to fill us. And lastly, by not neglecting the fellowship that we have with one another. And I've said it many times this week, but God has really put it on my heart just to not forget the privilege of the body of Christ and what we have. And don't make something supernatural just kind of every day. Because the church and being brothers and sisters in Christ is a supernatural thing. It's God's thing. When God brings people together, it's to reflect his glory to the world. It's to reflect people who wouldn't fit together, but he causes us to have love for each other. He causes us to work out our conflicts. He causes us to get more grace for people that you don't always have grace for. And in doing that, we reflect God's glory. And that's his plan and his way is for us to reflect his glory to the world through the church, through the church of Jesus, not through the building. It's not through the stained glass. I mean, they're beautiful. He wants it to be through people, followers of Jesus who are connected and loving each other the way God wants us to love each other and are walking out and working out our salvation in fear and trembling together with one another. So let's appreciate each other. Let's appreciate the relationships we have and love each other. God wants us to love each other. He wants us to love each other. And that's part of the hardest thing about joining and planting and rooting in a church is sometimes people, you know, offend you, right? That happens a lot. But that's also growing us in our love and our grace and then actually being Christ-like. It's not easy. He wants us to work those things out and he wants us to work our faith out not in isolation but with one another. Break bread with each other. Reach out. Don't wait for people to reach out to you. Reach out to people. If you need friendship or also if you have something to give. Most of us need something and have something to give. So break bread together. Be in each other's homes. I mean, if you're comfortable with COVID. We have people in our homes. But uh, I can't tell everybody what to do. But be together. Enjoy fellowship with each other. You can still eat outside. It's gorgeous. <laughs> we need to be planted and rooted in a local church. We need the body. We need the body. Sometimes we're offended. Truth offends us too. Just truth can offend us. And I want to encourage us. We were offended I don't know, more times than I can ever count. I really cannot even count the number. <laughs> I was super sensitive. We're just very, we were easily offended when we first joined um, our local church that we planted out of. And it took a lot of courage to keep walking through the things that we needed to walk through. But I will say it was in embracing the challenge from the Lord. Sometimes you think people are challenging you, right? But actually it's probably the Lord but it's easier to blame somebody else. But when we embraced the challenge that the Lord was giving us, and when we let God's work in our lives, God started to change us and grow us. And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
And so if I can encourage you, and maybe you're saying, I'm never offended. I'm like, not offended at all. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. We hope that you just stay here for forever then. <laughs> but that's not the reality for most of us. So embrace the challenges from the word. Embrace the challenges and truth from scripture. And also just enjoy the fellowship we have. So I'm going to end this morning by just saying, remain in the light. Just remain in the light. Remain in belief in Christ, in Jesus, in who he says he is, in what he's done in your life. Remain in the light, remain in fellowship, remain in the word of God. And we need that. We need Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, and we need fellowship with the body more than ever, ever before. I believe it for our salvation, for our kids' salvation. We need it. So that's what I have for us this morning. I'm going to pray for us and close and then hand it over to Hugh. If you guys want to stand, I'm often sitting out there and I know that by now I want to stand. So stand and I'll just pray. You can stretch. Father God, just thank you for you this morning, Jesus. I just thank you for these wonderful reminders that you gave me this week, Father, even in my prep. Just the reminders that you gave me of all that we have, Lord. I thank you for each one here. I thank you for the relationships that you placed in my life, Jesus. Firstly, for my relationship and intimacy with you. God, that you never abandoned us, that you always led us into more. Father, that you kept us on course, Lord, all these years. Thank you for my salvation. I thank you for the people that you placed in this church, God, that you placed us with. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to deepen fellowship, Father, with one another and to reflect more of the church that you have called us to be just to reflect you, Jesus, to the world, Father. I pray that even as people come in to this place, God, that they would be brought in already to a family and community that is knit together, Lord, that loves you first and is submitted and surrendered to you, God, and to where you have us. And I pray your blessing on everyone here, God. Thank you for you, Jesus. Thank you for you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, God. We love you so much. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 